Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 24 Baz had laid Liana down on the lower bunk of one of the beds in the cabin. Maeve had stood watch at the door until he'd made a show of tying one of Liana's wrists to the bed, then had left in a huff. He'd never been one for tying knots, but Liana showed no signs of stirring. Plus, where was she going to go? For about an hour, Baz had stayed at her bedside fooling himself that he was caring for her. But he didn't know the first thing about treating someone with a head injury, and aside from making sure her head was on the pillow, he didn't have any medical supplies anyway. Liana had always been the one who'd cared for the retirees. So now he was back sitting in one of the armchairs, mulling. He was just delaying the inevitable. Maeve had no intention of letting Liana off the Iron Dragon while she still drew breath, and despite the temporary respite Emma had afforded her, Baz didn't think her intentions were much friendlier. He rested his forehead on one hand, rubbing at his temples. He'd once convinced Emma not to kill rocks, but he'd had something she wanted then. He had no leverage here, and if it came down to it, there was little chance he'd succeed in a fight against them. Maeve obviously knew her way around a weapon, and Baz was sure Emma could beat him in a fist fight as well. Maybe he could outread her, but so far as he knew, the only spoken book written in destruction on the Iron Dragon was the Book of the Void, and he'd no intention of ever opening that thing's cover again. It was odd, though. Ever since he'd completed the reading that had banished the Shadow Breather, the voices in his head had ceased, as if he'd cast them too into the mysterious void. What did it mean? Were the voices what the Shadow Breather had meant when it called him tainted? If so, had he somehow freed himself of them? So many questions and no answers. And now he'd added one more to the heap. Why was he protecting Liana? Doing so had put him in a mess arguably worse than what he'd faced during the trials. And for what? Broken ink vials. She'd revealed the secret he'd entrusted to her, and not just revealed it, but spoken it to the most powerful reader in oration. No wonder Farston had called him a... Wait. Liana's betrayal actually didn't explain Farston's knowledge. Right before the keepers had knocked Baz on the head and ferried him off to Fable, the Liamina Duke had called him an orator. But Liana hadn't known Baz could read. Not then. Which meant Farston had already known, if not about Baz's completing the trials for Deliratus, that he could read. How was that possible? 
Baz had never seen the man in his life before he'd shown up at erstwhile with news of the uprising in Fortune. Baz? He hadn't heard the cabin's door open and nearly jumped out of his chair. Emma stood in the open entryway, the flames flickering in the hearth, casting her face in shadow so that he could only see one gray eye and part of her glistening lips. "'What do you want?' he asked, leaning his head back and closing his eyes. "'She's secure and hasn't stirred. "'She isn't why I'm here. We need to talk.' The door shut, and a moment later the rustling of fabric alerted Baz that Emma had taken the armchair across from him. He opened one eye and lifted his head to glare at her. "'My name's Bastion.' My mother wrote the Book of the Void after my father took the walk onto the peninsula. That brought Baz's other eye open. Doesn't sound like your father was very bright. Baz hadn't thought she was close enough to kick him, but the pain in his shin indicated that assessment had been incorrect. You took the walk too, Emma said after she'd settled back into her chair. Baz leaned over to rub his leg. Like I said, not very bright. He looked up, half expecting another kick. Emma's lips were pursed, but she made no move toward him. My mother would agree with you, but my father was certain if he could only get to those books, he'd find a secret worth risking his life for. I'm guessing he didn't find it. Are you always this much of a worm's barb? Might have heard that from a person or two. Emma's fingers curled over the arms of the chair. Sorry, sorry, Baz said, but why are you telling me about your father's death? Emma's glare didn't lessen for several moments, and Baz began to fidget. Finally, she took a deep breath and folded her hands in her lap. That's just it, Baz. He didn't die. He didn't? No. He walked out there, stood at the peninsula's edge for some time. Quite a long time, actually like he turned to stone. For nearly a whole day he stood there. Everyone thought for certain he was dead. Then he just turned around and came back. Oh, well, I guess your mother doesn't know as much as she thinks. Emma shook her head. Your ears must be dull as your tongue is sharp. I've no doubt my mother told you that everyone she'd seen go out there has either died or gone mad. Oh, Baz said feeling particularly idiotic. Not only did he look like a fool, he'd been insulting Emma's now loony father. Yeah, Emma replied. At first, he seemed normal, maybe a little aloof, but otherwise fine. He actually said he'd found what he was looking for, but said he needed time to figure out how to put it into terms we'd understand. But then, well... He started getting worse, saying things that just didn't make sense. Like what? Oh, lots of things. Emma looked off into the distance, eyes softening until they appeared like twin candles in the light of the cabin stove. Once, I remember him talking to Mother of an evening they'd spent sailing along the western coast, except that had never happened. My father had never even seen the ocean vast. There were many other examples, but you get the idea. Then, one day, he just... Emma took a deep breath. 
He just changed. Physically, he was the same, but he just became so cold, like someone had sucked all the vigor for life from him. And his voice. Emma wrapped her arms around herself, seeming not to notice. The worst thing I've ever heard, but somehow it made you want to listen. He started telling others to do things. They'd listen no matter how crazy it was. It took three more people taking the walk until we figured out they'd all visited Father shortly before doing so. Baz had heard such a voice before, out there in the darkness of Undertome, that placid lilt of a grandfather that had been almost calming, yet somehow bone-chillingly evil. What'd you do with him? Mother kept him locked away. She was convinced she could help him. For months, she neglected her work on the equities, instead working on a new book. It's said that the Enigma imprisoned the Dark Ones in shadow, and she thought if she could only write a book that could banish the shadow from a thing, that it would help my father. Is that, um, possible? Emma shrugged, arms still wrapped around herself. She didn't know. No one did. But that didn't stop her. Writing a book isn't a science, it's an art. Lots of trial and error. Find examples approximating what you wish to do and modify the grammar and syntax. Use vocabulary evocative of the outcome you seek. Try different combinations of elemental ink. The variables are nearly infinite. Baz had never even heard someone even try to explain how a spoken book was written. Wrapping his mind around the fact that the tomes were actually created by men was akin to imagining existence before the sun and the stars, before the earth on which they now lived had even existed. It seemed impossible. How'd it turn out? he asked. His mind was still so confounded that he barely heard himself speak the question. Not good. Only two people who have ever attempted to read from it have survived, and I'm not even certain one of those two still lives. Bass swallowed. Maybe the readers were onto something, banning the writing of new books. If you could kill anyone by simply writing the correct combination of words on a page, maybe it wasn't a power worth pursuing. He glanced at Liana. Suddenly, very worried, things weren't nearly as dichotomous as he'd thought. The first one was my father, Emma said. My mother brought the book to him once she'd finished it, expecting to read it and save him. But instead, he convinced her to let him read it. Emma stopped speaking. She'd drawn her feet up onto the chair so that her knees touched her chest. Her eyes wandered to the fireplace, and they sat in silence until Baz couldn't take it any longer. What happened? No one's certain, Emma said. She was still looking at the flames, and her voice came out as if from a great distance. Mother says he just vanished. Most of the keepers believe she just couldn't bear keeping him prisoner any longer and released him. A few think the same, except instead of releasing him, she killed him and hid the body. What do you think? Emma took so long to respond that Baz was just about to prompt her again when she said, I think my father is gone. She'd turned her eyes back to him as she'd spoken, 
and the mixture of pain and fury in them made abundantly clear she'd fielded no further questions on the topic. Well, who was the second person to read the book and survive? Sadness seemed to overtake the anger in her glare. You, Baz. Chapter 25 You think I'm going mad? I didn't say that. You kind of just did. Baz folded his arms and glowered at Emma from his slouched position. Well, there was your episode back in the lift. What was that about? Baz's expression faltered, and by the look in Emma's eyes, she noticed. I don't know what you're talking about, he replied, looking away from her. He expected a derisive snort, or at least an eye roll, but instead she replied very quietly. It took weeks for any noticeable symptoms to develop in my father, and longer than that before anyone realized there was really something wrong. He spoke once or twice of hearing things, and one time I remember walking past his and mother's room late at night and hearing him murmuring under his breath. My mother had gone to visit one of our outposts on the paper fields and hadn't been expected back for days, so I rushed in excited to see her. But my father was alone, just sitting in a chair with his eyes closed, carrying on a conversation like he was sitting at a dinner table. A few days later, the first of the three keepers ran headlong out onto the peninsula and died. Baz had seen what happened to people, well one person at any rate, who ran out onto the platform that jutted into the ceaseless darkness beneath Tome. He had a sudden urge to wrap his own arms around himself. The only time the voices have ever spoken to me, Bess stopped. His mouth had seemed to move of its own accord, and Emma was now looking at him with some interest peeking through her sad eyes. Illiterate ink! He hadn't meant to say a thing about the voices but there was just something about the moment. Emma so vulnerable, telling him of this great tragedy in her life, and not any tragedy, but one that paralleled his own experience. Something he couldn't name just told him he needed to tell her. He really would go mad if he couldn't tell anyone what was happening. They spoke directly to me when I was out on the peninsula beneath Tome. At First, it was just in my head, but then... He shuffled uncomfortably in his seat. Emma gave him a reassuring nod, and after a deep breath, he went on. Then they began to speak through me, like they'd taken over my body or something. Voices that weren't mine coming out of my mouth. Sounds terrible, Emma said. I'm sorry you had to go through that for me. I didn't do it for... Hadn't he, though? Marla Colnar had been about to kill Emma, and he'd tricked her into coming out onto the peninsula with him. He'd risked his life for a girl he barely knew. Why had he done that? You don't need to apologize, Bass said. I guess I did do it for you, but I'd have done it for someone else, too. He wasn't certain of that, but he couldn't have another woman thinking he felt something special for them not after what had just happened with Liana. Emma didn't look the least bit disappointed, though. I think that's why I like you, Baz. She smiled at him, though her eyes were still sad. 
Baz realized he was smiling back and quickly looked away from her. Bloody burning books. What was he doing? Kiss one girl one moment, make moon eyes at another the next? But that doesn't explain what happened in the lift earlier, Emma said. Baz responded without looking back at her. I heard the voices again on the lift, but they weren't speaking to me. At least I couldn't tell if they were. It was just indistinct mumbling in my mind. And it's gone now. Been gone since I read from that awful book your mother wrote. He considered admitting that one of the voices had briefly spoken through him when he'd been facing the shadow breather, but decided against it. Emma would think him mad for certain if he confessed that. Huh, Emma said. The curiosity in her tone brought Baz's eyes back to Emma's face. What? Well, that is what my mother wrote the Book of the Void for. Banishing the shadow. That's what you did to the shadow breather. Maybe it worked on the dark ones, too. Baz shuddered. Let's stick to just calling them the voices. But... For a moment, Emma seemed as if she was going to chide him for being a coward, but then she nodded as if she'd realized some hidden truth. All right, I'll do that. Sorry. Baz waved her apology away. What do you mean, banish the shadow? You can't just banish an element. The elements just are. I'm not sure, Emma said. She looked upward as if trying to recall some forgotten piece of knowledge. I never fully understood what Mother was doing with the Book of the Void. I was younger then, and she never spoke of the book after Father's disappearance, and I've certainly never read it. Even if Mother hadn't said it would kill whoever opened it, I'm a creator. But there's something special about the shadow that the other elements lack. Some say it's more an absence of the other elements than an element itself. Others that it's not from this world. I've heard a few superstitious keepers even say it's from the elsewhere. Baz laughed. Emma gave a half-embarrassed smile back to him. I know, sounds stupid, but... She shrugged. I think it only sounds stupid because you assume all the tales about the elsewhere being some hell inhabited by the Dark Ones are just that. Tales. But you've seen what's trapped in Undertone. Baz felt the smile fade from his face, remembering back to what Tessa had told him of the Dark Ones, that the scribes had inadvertently cracked the barrier between this world and the elsewhere, which had brought forth the Dark Ones and caused the burning. Some of those same stories say the Shadow Breathers are really devils from the elsewhere, so that's consistent, at least. Maybe Mother actually succeeded in writing a book that sends Shadow back to where it originally came from. Baz didn't want to even consider that, as it meant he'd actually opened a door into the elsewhere. Bloody, beleaguered, brutally burning books! That couldn't be possible. But then again, what had the Shadow Breather said? That the Dark Ones had seized my kind's realm? Baz rubbed his eyes, trying to banish from his mind images of a land of ceaseless darkness where all that existed were the Dark Ones and monsters like the one he'd just faced. A sudden shuddering sent Baz's weight shifting unexpectedly, and he nearly fell out of the chair. He started to his feet, thinking they'd been attacked by another shadow breather.
Easy, Emma said, rising to her feet with considerably more grace than Baz had. We've stopped is all. Why? Baz demanded. Before Emma could answer, the door to the cabin opened and Maeve stepped in, dagger drawn. We're here, she said, face twisted as if she'd bitten down on something exceedingly bitter, tone like a growling dog. Can't put it off any longer, Emma. Time to deal with the conservator. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is December 11th, 2022, as I record this, which is episode 21 of season 2 of the podcast, and episode number 48 overall. I uh, hope you just enjoyed listening to chapters uh, 23 and, or no, 24 and 25 of Declaimer's Discovery. Uh, we're officially more than halfway through the book now, so rolling right along here. Uh, you know, Baz and Emma had a bit of a, a heart-to-heart here. We learned some more of, uh, Emma's kind of tragic background here with, uh, her father having gone mad after he went out into the, or onto the peninsula beneath Undertone there and in the darkness where the uh, the never-ending pit of books is. Um, you know, and now she kind of thinks that maybe Baz is going mad too because he's hearing voices just like her father did. So is Baz actually going mad? Uh, we'll just have to keep reading and find out. Um, and then, of course, at the end here, Maeve barreled in and said it's time to take care of Liana. So uh, geez, what is, what's Baz going to do here? Liana's his friend, but, you know, now that she's discovered that he knows how to read. She's basically said that he's she's going to turn him into the conservators, and that means they'll kill him. So is Baz going to stand up for her? Is he going to stand aside and uh, let these rebels, Maeve and, Maeve and Emma, have their way with Liana? Uh, find out next week uh, as we'll read Chapter 26 of Declaimer's Discovery, and that will also conclude Part 2 of the novel. So tune in next week for that. Um, onto the personal update here. Not too much going on for me. Well, I shouldn't say that. I have, uh, finished the draft of Into the Dragon's Maw, part five of the Spoken Books Uprising. So that's exciting. Always, a always a good feeling to get another draft of a book written. It's, um, you know, if, if you're someone who's working on your first book or maybe you've only written one book, uh, I certainly don't want to minimize the importance of getting that first draft written. That's probably the most important thing that you can do if you are a new uh, novel writer, novelist. Um, you know, you're you're better than 99% of the people out there who say they want to write a book if you have managed to get all the way through draft one. So, uh, so congratulations if you're someone in that boat or if you are someone working towards that goal, you know, just... Just keep pushing. Uh, no one else is going to write that book for you, so just uh, get your butt into your chair every day, or at least most days, and keep banging out those words. And you know, it is a uh, it is a marathon. It's a test of endurance writing a novel. So just keep writing, and you know, focus on getting small chunks done each day, and you'll get there. Um, but for me, this is the sixth book I've written now. So completing the first draft is. You know, I still feel good about it, but it's 
a little less of a milestone. It's it's almost like I just have to get to this point to really start uh, getting out the book that I actually want <laughs> to write. You know, that's one one of the tough things about writing a first draft is it's just not going to be as good as you want it to be. Um, and I think that's what gives a lot of people trouble, especially early out. And frankly, <laughs> even six books in, they... And I have days where I'm very disheartened, thinking I'm I'm writing, uh, you know, nothing that's any good at all. But uh, you know, you can't edit a blank page, so you just have to get it down, and you know, then you can go back and fix things. Honestly, uh, as I'm writing along, I'll come to a scene, I'll be like, oh well, you know, X has to happen here, but you know, this won't make any sense unless I have something, you know, ten chapters back that kind of sets it up. Um, but you know. Yeah, if there's a way to figure out all of those things ahead of time, I have not discovered it yet. <laughs> so sometimes you just have to write. Uh, I'm I'm definitely an outliner as opposed to a discovery writer or a pantser. But even with my outlines, there are tons of things that I can't foresee, and I need to go back and add them in after the fact. So so uh, yeah. So the first draft is done, but lots of work still still to go here on uh, part five of the Spoken Books Uprising. Uh, the draft came in at uh, 91,506 words, which maybe sounds a little short, but uh, you know, I haven't written the prologue or epilogue yet, so you know, give that at least you know, a couple more thousand words, and my, uh, my drafts always end up gaining words as I edit and add some more things in. So I would guess that this will end up right around 100,000 words, which will make it just about as long as uh, part four, Declaimer's Discovery, or Declaimer's Stand. Um, I think that came in at like 105,000, 103,000, something like that, 10-something. So uh, I guess I'll, uh, I should share the uh, description of part five here pretty soon. I suppose, which means I should write it. <laughs> but keep an eye out for that in the coming weeks. I also need to get rolling on having the cover art created. I need to start building up some excitement for part five here, but I've really been heads down on just getting it written uh, the past couple months. But now the first draft is down, and I can you know focus on uh, some other things here too, though editing it now we uh, will move to number one priority for me. So... Uh, that's really it on the personal front for me. Other than that, just getting ready for the, the holiday season here. Next week I'll be uh, traveling uh, home to spend some time with my parents and with my wife's family. So hope all of you are also uh, getting ready for a, uh, a fun and uh, you know uh, you know rewarding or enjoyable holiday season anyway. I was going to say relaxing, but I know sometimes the holiday season is anything but relaxing, but uh, hopefully you can at least find a little uh, peacefulness during during the holidays this year. Um, just a quick reminder, my uh, my holiday gift guide is, is live in the newsletter, and if you want to check out some of the stuff I'm selling directly on my Payhip website, you can go over to payhip.com slash dtkane, selling some signed books over there and some cheaper versions of uh, the box set than what they cost over at Amazon and the other big retailers. Uh, buying from me directly uh, decreases my transaction costs 
uh, at no additional cost to you. That means I get to keep more of uh, my royalties. Uh, and I pass most of that savings right on to you. So you can get the, uh, the Spoken Books Uprising box set for only $3.99 uh, from my PayHip store, whereas it's $5.99 pretty much everywhere else. And like I said, if you some signed books. And uh, remember, I do have another book outside of the Spoken Books Uprising series, uh, Blade Sorrow, my very first novel, which is uh, quite a hefty book. It's 260,000 words. Um, it is the first of a series I intend to continue at some point, but it's a totally contained story as well, so don't feel like you're going to uh, buy it and be left hanging indefinitely. Uh, the story does wrap up. You know, it leaves some threads open for additional stories, but you can certainly read that as a standalone. <coughs> uh, and that's two ninety nine in ebook and uh, nineteen forty nine in paperback. From uh, that's only on Amazon. Uh, it's also in Kindle Unlimited. So if you're a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, you can uh, pick up a copy there for free, or at least include it in your subscription. Um, okay, I think. That's enough of all of that. Uh, so we'll just move on to the fantasy quote of the week here. This week's comes from Terry Pratchett uh, from Good Omens. Uh, Evil in general does not sleep and therefore doesn't see why anyone else should. Uh, and uh, this week, as I wrote about in the newsletter a little, I was uh, you know talking a little about... Uh, my routine and my habit forming and how I've been, you know, trying with, you know, mixed success of, uh, you know, getting a consistent morning routine of writing down. So I thought maybe I'd give just a, a little bit of uh, routine advice here uh, in my weekly essay uh, that goes along with the quote of the week. So here we are. We might not be fighting actual demons or dragons or orcs on a regular basis, but there are plenty of everyday evils that keep us up at night. Some are simply out of our control, and the process of dealing with the anxiety they produce is part of being human. But some things are in our control. If we want to increase our chances of occasionally having a good night's rest, we should do our best to set ourselves up for success each day so that the nagging worry of unproductivity doesn't plague our dreams. Often, we worry over things we have put off. But with all the other things going on in your life, don't lose sleep over this. Take five minutes at the end of each day or in the morning, whatever works best for you, and reflect on what you really need to get done. Don't set impossible goals. Start with one to three items and write them down. As we all know from the Spoken Books Uprising, the, there's power in words, and getting those tasks down on paper helps make them more real. For an added dose of motivation, try starting your list with, Tomorrow, I need to. I like making this list at night for the tasks I want to complete the following day. It's almost like I can trust it a bit more this way, because being a day removed from the actual doing allows me to be more objective, rather than deciding in the moment what has to be done, which is when procrastination can take hold. The next day, it feels a bit like a different person decided what was important, and I can just put faith in the judgment of the past version of me. Do whatever works best for you, but do do it. 
You'll rest easier at night knowing you accomplished something important during the day. Um, and as always, just a reminder, uh, each week I share a fantasy quote and indulge my inner philosopher with a brief essay about that quote. Uh, if you have a favorite fantasy quote you'd like to see featured in a future edition of D.T. Kane's Fantasy Quote of the Week, shoot me an email at dtkane at dtkane.com and you may see your fantasy quote uh, in a future edition of the newsletter and podcast and my accompanying essay. Uh, and just another quick reminder, if, uh, if you're looking to get D.T. Kane a Christmas gift this year, uh, or it can be any sort of holiday gift, it doesn't need to specifically be a Christmas gift, um, you know, maybe the number one thing you can do for me uh, costs nothing at all. Leave a review of my books on Amazon uh, or wherever else you buy your books, especially the box set in particular. Uh, it just came out. It doesn't have many reviews right now. So, uh, you know, even if you haven't bought the box set but you've read the books in it, I think that qualifies you to leave a review of it. So uh, head on over to Amazon, or I have a link in this week's newsletter that'll take you right to the review page for it and just, uh, you know, drop a few words. I, you know, you don't need to write a book report. You know, you can just say, you know, this is what and this is what I liked about the book. This is what I didn't. You know, just a couple sentences and a star rating. That's all it takes. And you know, the sad fact is, people, you know, a lot of people just won't give a book the time of day until it has, you know, a certain number of reviews. So, you know, every single review really helps me out. So I appreciate that. You know, also if, uh, you know, uh, you are feeling very generous, you can uh, consider supporting me on Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com slash dtkane, and you can sign up for a, a, a monthly amount you'd like to pledge to me. And, uh, you know, you do get perks uh, for doing that. You'll get uh, copies of all of the books I've written to date, and uh, I will also send you copies of all books I write in the future, so you'll never have to, you know, obviously you're paying the monthly fee for Patreon, but you'll never have to pay for another one of my books. I will give them all to you. Uh, I will be recording uh, a bonus podcast episode every month starting in 2023. That'll go out to uh, all Patreon subscribers. Uh, and there are some other perks, too, so you can check that out, patreon.com slash dtkane. Uh, okay, that is all for this week. So, again, we'll be reading Chapter 26 of Declaimer's Discovery on next, next week's episode. So, until then, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com podcast. D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. See you next week.